When you said, uh, I pray those ratios never change, I leaned over to Austin. I said, you ready to have some more kids, brother? He said, how about you? I said, I already have four. I did my part. I did my part. But, And I have to say this to sort of get started. Um, God is so big. And I've been struck by that the last few days. Uh, Friday night, I went to a Chris Tomlin Hillsong United concert. And they did this song, So Will I, right? And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are formed. And of course, they've got all the stage production on top of all of that. And so these lights are shining on these mirror balls. And there's like these mirror ball images all around the stadium, right? 20,000 people all just sort of bowing before just the majesty of God. I was just struck again in worship, like how big God is, like how awesome, how holy, how mighty, and honestly, how small I am is kind of how I felt in the exact same moment. And the fact that God would actually look at me, love me enough to send his son to die on my behalf and then fill me with his presence and Holy Spirit, like me, as small as I am, why would he do that? And, and I was just struck again in worship. So I just, again, thank you, worship team. Um, praise God for his presence. Uh, he is good. And I'm excited to share today. I feel super humbled today, uh, but thankful for the opportunity. So, uh, well, I'm coming off a bye week. I'm coming off a bye week. <clears throat> So I got a little extra juice, a little extra rested, you know, a little extra preparation, but I'm excited. Definitely take out your Bibles, take out a notebook, take out a pen, something to write with. Uh, Thanksgiving is Thursday. The one holiday our country has not corrupted, praise God. We just go on with thankful. No Santa Claus, Easter Bunny, none of that stuff. Let's just be thankful and have a Thanksgiving holiday together. I love it, you know. Favorite foods for Thanksgiving? Yell them out. What are they? Mac, mac and cheese, really. Mac and cheese. So, for me, for me, it's something called Cherry Delight. And I'll tell you a little bit about Cherry Delight. It is a layer of cream cheese. It is some uh, graham cracker crust. It's the inside pie filling. Just dump it right on the top. Mix it with some butter and whipped cream. My grandma used to make it. It's the best thing in the world. Really healthy for you, as you can see. And I'm going to eat a lot of that on Thanksgiving. I can't wait uh, for it. <clears throat> well, hey, just a reminder, no worship next week. Uh, and then, like Andrew said, we dive into Advent. So today is kind of a bit of a standalone message. And as we were talking about direction uh, where is God leading today? Uh, really wanted to zero in on this theme of build the home and the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how can he help us build the home? That's really where I want to go today. And the first thing he needs to do, and the first thing we need to think about, I guess, is um, who the Holy Spirit is and his protection in our life. Because I find that the third person of the Trinity often gets overlooked, uh, often gets uh, ignored at times, and I would say probably not so much in this church, um, <clears throat> but generally speaking. So the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our comforter, our counselor, our teacher, the one who inspired the word of God, 
our inheritance, our intercessor, our seal, our witness, our guide. The Holy Spirit is a lot of things. But the thing I want you to hear this morning, the number one thing I want you to hear this morning is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. God's presence, who God is as a person. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? God possesses you. Now, some of our guests are starting to look for the exits right now, having visions of like alien, right? Or the exorcist or something. No, no, no. You don't know who the Holy Spirit is then. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Um, and the reason that might feel foreign to a few of you, this idea that God actually possesses us, he lives inside of us, is because we have misconceptions of who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a very clear conception of the Father, God the Father, because I had a father. I understood the concept of a father. I understood God the Son, Jesus Christ. I saw the flannel graph images as a little kid. That's a person. I heard the Bible stories, right? He loves me. Jesus loves me. I get it. I understand that. But then God, the Holy Spirit, was always strange to me as a kid. And I used to refer to the Holy Spirit as like an it, a thing, a presence, a force, a power. I remember when I was in sixth grade, my theology was really messed up in sixth grade. And I thought I committed the, the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. I thought I blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I thought my face was going to like melt off, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. I mean, I thought the Spirit was after me. So we have sometimes these weird strange views of the Spirit. But I just want to say the Holy Spirit is a person. He has emotions. You can grieve Him. He has character traits. He's filled with joy and peace, kindness and love. He gives gifts. He's generous to us. He's not impersonal. He's not the life force of Pandora at Avatar. He doesn't dwell among the trees or anything. He's a person. He's not a presence. He's a person. He's not a power. Power is a person. And so it's important for us today to understand that this person wants to protect you and empower you, and he lives inside of you. And so our job is to yield to him and allow him to do that. That's what our job is. So if you weren't here two weeks ago, and Andrew just shared it again, um, first six years of this church have been all about building a solid foundation uh, to stand on. And I look around this room, and I see so many of you, and um, I just think, is every person in this church amazing? Like, there's got to be one person that's not that amazing uh, in this church. Everybody I meet, it's like, man, we have built a solid foundation I haven't been here for the whole thing, but at least for the last two years, I see the, the foundation that's being laid. And now as we move forward, we move from building a foundation to actually building a home, which means building into strong men and women and marriages and parents and children that Antioch would be a family of families that are rooted and established in love. And to do that, we need the protection 
of the Holy Spirit to build the home. Because the family, the home is under attack. And that is not hyperbole. That is not me trying to, you know, gain a few like, oh, wow, really? The family's under attack? We know that. Because the spiritual battleground in our society is the home. It's the family. It really is. That is where it all starts. Men are conditioned in our society to be passive and to not know how to lead. Look at every caricature of a man in popular media right now, and that is what you see. Women are told to be liberated and throw off restraint and then struggle sometimes with feeling isolated or alone. Children are taught to be independent of authority and then self-destruct with anxiety and depression. The unborn are valued. Good parents are ridiculed. Married monogamous couples are made fun of. This is the society we live in. So if we want to build homes, we need the protection of the Holy Spirit. And here's my message today. We need him to protect this house. Now, I'm a football fanatic, so I really like that title um, a lot. Because in locker rooms all over the country, we hear this concept, protect this house. And this first came to mind early 2000s. This will be a classic commercial for some of you. Um, in early 2000s, there was a, a little commercial that came out with this theme. And I actually want to play it because I want you to get this burned in your mind. Take a look. If we don't have audio, I'm going to be so mad at you, Diego. I am, I am telling you. Oh, you got to rewind it. There we go. We started this thing. And now we're on top. Everybody's trying to knock us off. It's us versus them. We must protect this house. Let's just all give a cheer for that commercial. <laughs> we want the Holy Spirit to protect this house. I love athletics. I'm a football fan, and I know that a strong defense, right, opens up for an offense. We can talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and maybe we will another day. Uh, but today I want to talk about his protection. That he will protect this house. He will protect your home if only we let him, if only we yield to him. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4 says, Though we live in the world, we don't wage war, the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. The enemy is not threatened by you. The enemy is not threatened by the people in that video as much as they want to scream. We want to protect this house. Sorry, no. That's okay. Okay, fine. Maybe for football. But like for the family, the enemy is really not that threatened with you or your spouse or anybody else. Um, kids, parents, anything like that. He does not care about our strategies and programming. He does not look at the calendar and go, oh, no, I see a men's breakfast on the calendar. I hope they're not cooking bacon, bacon and eggs again, right? Oh, a women's tea. Uh-oh, I'm nervous they opened up a classroom for second graders. 
That doesn't make him nervous. What makes him nervous is a passage of Scripture in 1 John 4, 4 that says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one in you is greater. Let me say this again. The one in you is greater than the one who's in the world. That's what gets him nervous. The one who is in you, who possesses you, the Holy Spirit. And so we have to yield to the Spirit who is in us to protect this house. We can't do it on our own. We try to carry it on our own. We try to carry the burdens of, of whatever it may be in life and, and home. And without his presence inside of us, we have no protection. So we have to yield to the Spirit. And this is a concept I want to weave through the next uh, 20 minutes or so, this idea of yielding to the spirit who possesses us to receive his protection in our life. That is actually not always an easy thing. I'll give you an example. Because when we don't yield to the spirit, what happens is we, we sort of slowly push him away and we try to do it ourselves. So I want you to imagine for a minute that my wife, Katie, just wants to kiss me all the time. She cannot keep her hands off of me, okay? I'll let you decide if this is hypothetical or not. <laughs> but just imagine for a moment that she just wants to be close to me all the time and kiss me and hold me and put her arm around me and hold my hand and everything else. Uh, but imagine if every time she was with, with me and she tried to make a move and put her arm around me, I was like, eh, can we maybe not like in public? Every time she came over to give me a kiss, I was like, oh, maybe not right now. Or every time, you know, uh, she comes in to hold my hand, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I feel comfortable about that. Or she wants to talk to me and I got my AirPods in. I'm like, hey, can we talk like another time? Maybe not right now. Or what would happen over time? Uh, ladies, what would happen over time? <laughs> you would stop showing affection in the same way. You would feel pushed aside a little bit. You would feel slightly marginalized and pushed into a corner. And do you think that would impact your relationship somehow? Do you think that would short circuit some things somehow? Yes, you would still be in a relationship. But in pushing your spouse away, you're grieving her. And then you're also sort of separating yourself from their influence in your life. And when you ignore or resist or push back or say not right now or I'm okay or I feel that conviction, but I'm going to push it aside, we actually grieve the Holy Spirit because he longs for a relationship with us. And he knows that he is the powerful one, the protective one. So the enemy is not necessarily afraid that the spirit lives in you. He's afraid you're actually going to open your eyes and yield to him and listen to him and have a relationship with him and let him protect your home and empower you. See, that's the thing. So what type of protection are we talking about? Let's write these down. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, he wants to protect the mind. We need him to protect the mind. Everything starts in the mind. The battlefield is the mind. The mind is where it all starts. The thoughts, that's where it all starts. 2 Corinthians 11.3, I'm afraid that just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness and cunning, I'm afraid, Antioch, that your minds will be led astray. 
from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Why does this start in the mind? Because he knows if he can get a thought in your mind, that thought will turn into something. That thought will start to turn into a word, and that word will become an action, and that action will be a habit, and that habit will be a lifestyle, and that lifestyle will be a legacy. But it starts in the mind. It starts with the thought. His weapon is lies. If he can get you thinking a lie, your trajectory will be off. John 8, 44, there is no truth in him. For he is a liar. He is the father of lies. This is how he works. He speaks his native language when he lies. Spirit of God, protect this house from lies. There are lies he will deposit in your mind and in your heart. Lies like this. Just leave him. You don't need to put up with this anymore. You don't deserve that. You have a better life if you do. Lies like you'll never be a better father or mother no matter how hard you try. Lies like your kids will never change. So might as well just make them happy while they're here, right? Lies like I don't need to go to church to be a good Christian. I'm good. Lies like it's okay. It's not like pornography actually hurts anyone. And it's only one time. It's fine. You deserve it. Whatever it might be. So to build this house, we need to yield to the spirit who protects the mind. Now check this out. Satan is the deceiver. The spirit is our teacher and counselor. See, everything the enemy does is try to pervert who God is. So the spirit is our teacher and counselor. Then the enemy is a deceiver. And here's what the spirit does. John 16, 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes and dwells inside of you, right? And possesses you. He will guide you in all truth if you let him. He protects us. He guides us in truth. John 14, 26. The spirit whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He'll bring to remembrance all I've said to you. And what he does is he inspires the word of God. And then he speaks that word into our hearts. And then he, look at this, he, he teaches us and then brings to remembrance the word of God. So what happens is we start to hear a lie. We move down that road and the spirit, when we yield to him, says, oh, I don't believe that. That person doesn't hate you. They're not mad at you. It's not you. You know this. You know that. And bring the word of God up. So that's what the spirit does. So he'll protect the house by protecting your mind as a counselor and as a teacher. And if the enemy can't get at your mind, then he's going to come after your body and the spirit will protect your body say what do you mean <clears throat> well if he can't manipulate you he can't get you thinking the wrong thing he can't get you moving away from the word of god and deceive you because you're rooted in god's word then he'll attack you with suffering ailment issues problems he'll try to make you suffer and start to make you sort of doubt the goodness and grace of God. Because after all, your mind has stayed on the word. You're trying to follow his path. You're doing what he's asked. You're not believing the lie. So why the suffering? Why the issue? Why the medical diagnosis? Why the problem? As a serpent, the enemy deceives. As a roaring lion, he tries to destroy. He's a deceiver. He's also a destroyer. First Peter 5.8, be alert. 
Devil prowls around like a roaring lion, not just looking to someone to deceive. He's also looking to just devour. Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22, 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. The story of Job, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon. I pray that your faith would not fail. Satan attacks the body. He brings suffering to make us impatient with God, to question the grace of God. He wants you to be sick, anxious, diseased. So how does the Spirit protect us? John 16, 7, if I don't go away, the comforter will not come to you. He is our comforter. He comforts us in suffering, and he's our healer. I know he's the comforter because in college, uh, if ever I skipped church and my mom called me on Sunday afternoon, did you go to church today? I would always say I went to the church of the Holy Comforter. Um, <clears throat> that's really bad. Bad joke, but <clears throat> he comforts us in our suffering. He does that by either healing us or giving us the grace to endure. And trust me, I know many Christians, their mind was protected. They were rooted in the word of God. They knew the truth of the word and they didn't receive his deception. And they went through a period of suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, and they began to turn away, began to turn aside. The spirit of God brings comfort. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I was given this thorn in my flesh, a medical ailment. No, no, a messenger of Satan. I don't know what the thorn was. We all have debates on what the thorn was. But it was a messenger of Satan to torment me. Because if he can't get in my mind, he's coming after my body. He's going to make me suffer and make my kids suffer. I had a daughter that went through leukemia. There were moments he used that attack on the body to start to try to mess with my mind. I had to get the mind right, and then I had to suffer again and learn how to suffer the right way. And my daughter had to experience that. My grace is enough. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. He said, my grace is enough. My power is perfected in weakness. And Satan wants you to doubt God's grace. So we need his protection for our bodies. There's another area. He protects the mind. He protects the body. He also protects the heart. You ever messed up, done something stupid, fallen into sin, never owned up to it? Yeah, me either. Never done anything. <laughs> I think a few days ago, one of the daughters is in the room. I should have my head down as I look at her. <clears throat> I uh, sent my daughter to her room, and I yelled at her, and I was angry. I was really angry. And you know, it says, in your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry. But in your anger, do not sin. I felt like I crossed a line in my anger, and it was coming out of a place of who knows what, some kind of dysfunction in my own life, and I was angry at her. And, uh, go to your room. I'm tired of you. Get up there to your room, right? She goes up to her room, and about two minutes later, the Holy Spirit said, how do you feel about that? <laughs> do you think that was honoring to me? Do you think that was? And he began to convict me. And actually tell me that I needed to apologize to this daughter that I was extremely angry at. 
And I resisted the spirit for a while, and then I yielded, and I made peace, and I went up, and I said, hey, honey, I shouldn't have said it that way, shouldn't have done it that way. You know, you're still grounded for three years, but <laughs> I shouldn't have done it that way. And it was true. So sin pollutes the heart. And the Spirit is not only our, our um, counselor, He's not only our comforter, He's also our convictor. And so the Spirit protects the heart by convicting us. And sometimes we think that when we're convicted of sin, uh, that somehow that's a bad thing. No, no, no. His conviction is protection. Conviction is protection. It really is. If my toe got stubbed and I, I was starting to bleed there and I felt pain, that feels painful, but that pain is protection. God wired me with that pain to deal with my toe. And if I don't deal with my toe, it's going to spread to my foot and my leg and my body. So conviction is protection, and he protects the heart. See, here's the deal. The spirit convicts, but the enemy accuses. He is the great accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. The spirit convicts and protects us, whereas the enemy then accuses us. But listen, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, listen, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. Praise God. You're forgiven. The enemy, though, the enemy, though, will accuse us. So I'm forgiven of that issue I just shared when I maybe spoke a harsh word to my daughter. And even though I'm forgiven of that, you know what the enemy will do? He will start to bring it back up and he'll start to accuse me of stuff. And he'll say things like this, um, you aren't a very good father, or you aren't a good mother. Look at you. Your kids don't respect you. You know why? Because you're angry with them and you yell at them just like you did. You'll never be any different. Throws it in your face. Satan wants you to feel accused. The spirit wants you to feel free. So the spirit convicts you to bring you to repentance so you can feel free and your heart can be cleansed. And then the enemy will start to accuse you. And that's where you got to see this comes back around again. He's now messing with my mind again. He's now trying to get me to doubt the word of God again. So it all comes in full circle. Spirit wants you to come into the light. You are forgiven. You are free. So let me, uh, let me summarize. This is probably the entire, everything I just said in a graphic. Go ahead and throw this chart up here. Take a screenshot if you want. It will be easier than writing it all down. But I just want to walk you through this really fast because this is how it works and this is how the enemy tries to mess with us. Uh, first of all, you need to understand the Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit loves you. He's here dwelling inside of you, and he will protect the home. He will protect you. He will protect this house. And the first thing he does is he protects the mind. Satan's role is deceiver and liar. Satan targets the mind. His weapon is lies. But the Holy Spirit is your counselor and teacher. And he'll remind you of the word of God. He'll remind you of truth. 
and he'll help you walk in it. Second, he protects the body. Satan's role is destroyer. Satan targets the body. His weapon is suffering. The role of the spirit is comfort and healing. And he reminds us of the grace of God. Third, he protects the heart. Satan's role is accuser. Satan targets the heart. His weapon is accusation. And the role of the spirit is to convict and restore and remind us of the forgiveness of God. And so if we want protection over our individual homes, our collective homes, and if we want protection over this house and even each of us individually as temples of the Holy Spirit, our job is to yield and surrender and lay down to receive these things from the Spirit. So you can submit to him and his protection for your life, or you can push him kind of into a corner and try to do it yourself. Those are really the two choices. <coughs> and so I want to share a story with you. Um, <clears throat> two weeks ago or last week, uh, I traveled to New York City to facilitate a uh, two-day conference for some pastors <clears throat> up in the Midtown area. And as we were <clears throat> spending some time together, it was a great time. Uh, anybody here ever been to New York City, by the way, of a number of you? Yeah, so I've been there twice now. This time I actually got to see the sights. I got to see the city. It was really cool. And uh, hit Times Square and hit a Broadway show and wanted to walk up Fifth Avenue. So we did that and Saks Fifth Avenue. It's like, oh, that's why it's called Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> it's on Fifth Avenue. This is amazing, you know? <laughs> Saw the Rockefeller skating thing, you know, and the 30 Rock. Oh, <laughs> Rockefeller, 30 ro 30th story, NBC. It's all coming together now, okay? And we're kind of walking up Fifth Avenue, up, go up to Trump Tower. No, I didn't. I said hi to Donald. What's up, man? How you doing today? Um, <clears throat> but there's this one kind of statue, this monument, right next to Rockefeller Center. And you can't miss it. It's this huge bronze statue of the Atlas, carrying essentially the world. And it's huge. It's really, really cool. I think I have a picture of it. You'll be able to see this. That's me carrying the world in my hand uh, right there. Kind of funny, but, but it's really a pretty amazing statue. And it's like massive. I mean, it's like four stories. If you know the story of Atlas, um, essentially uh, the Atlas was sort of a titan of ancient Greek mythology. And yet he was punished by, by Zeus, kind of the father of the gods. And his punishment was to uphold the heavens for all eternity, right? So Atlas braces under the weight of his charge. And it's like a super heavy weight that he has to carry. And what's interesting about the layout of the Atlas is that the Atlas actually is positioned directly across from St. Patrick's Cathedral. And St. Patrick's Cathedral is phenomenal. It is the most visited cathedral in the entire United States. You go into the architecture of it, and it's just absolutely amazing. But as you can see, Atlas looks directly into the doors of this cathedral, which is ironic to me. 
It's almost like maybe somebody put this statue in front of St. Patrick's with the idea as sort of a testament to the strength and power of humanity or man. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm going too deep with it. 80 yards in front of this Atlas statue, we walked through the doors of St. Patrick's um, Cathedral. 80 yards in front behind the cathedral's high altar, there's another statue. And it's not four stories tall. It's three feet tall. And it's this tiny little statue of the Christ child. I took a picture of it. And he's not threatened by Atlas, by the way. He kind of pities him. Um, this half man, half God, trying to hold the weight of the world on his shoulders. I think he pities Atlas, to be honest. And I looked at this little statue, and I noticed, you can see it in the picture, he's holding something in his hand. This little eight-year-old boy, Christ child, is holding the entire cosmos in his hand. I mean, look at him, effortlessly, holding it in his hand. 80 yards away, Atlas bears under the weight of this just heavy cosmos. He can't hardly hold it up. And I want you to look at this last picture for a moment. Look at this. That might be you. That might be you. trying with all your might to hold on to something you can hardly stand under the burden of the attack. You are trying so hard to hold on to your marriage, trying to hold it together. I can do this just one more week. Trying so hard to hold on. I got this burden on top of me, trying to keep it together, protecting my kids from the scary world around me with values that don't mimic mine, that aren't biblical. And I'm holding on and my kids are right here. Or maybe some of you are holding on to this weight of accusation because you have a prodigal child. And that child's not walking with God and the enemy is starting to lay the burden and the weight of that accusation on your shoulders. Or maybe for you, maybe for you, you've bought into a lie and that lie is the enemy's way of getting you sideways and away from God and you're carrying that lie and you're holding on to it. You did something in the past that was messed up and not right and you can't get free from it. You had an affair. You had an abortion. You had a struggle. You had an issue. And lie and accusation and suffering has followed you because you have carried that thing and you have not allowed the Spirit to protect you and cleanse you and forgive you and make you right again. It's time to exchange the burden of that weight for what the Spirit has for you, which is truth and comfort, conviction, forgiveness, and freedom. living inside of you is a person who holds the weight of the world in a hand effortlessly. And 1 John 4, 4 tells me, you are from God and you have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. He is greater, but will you yield to him? Will you submit to him? 
Will you be filled by him? Filling of the Holy Spirit is about new levels of surrender. That's really what it is. God cannot be divided. You have 100% of the Holy Spirit inside of you, living inside of you. He is there. But when you relegate him to a corner of your heart and you don't let him fill you, he stays there. So what is filling? Filling is surrender. It is surrendering your life and allowing him to fill you up to, to capacity, overflowing out of you. That's what filling is. So today, maybe for some of you, you just got to lay it down. Lay down the accusation. Lay down the past. Lay down the burden. Lay down your marriage. Lay down your kids. Surrender your kids to God. Um, you can't carry it on your own. So I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. And as we kind of close this morning, you know, I know during the prayer time, um, somebody heard a word and it was kind of this word of this exchange of like taking these wet clothes off or the burden off to be exchanged by the spirit and maybe his embrace, his warmth. I'm not sure. But I think today for some of you, it's a time, you know, you look at that picture of Atlas, you say, that's kind of me. I'm carrying some stuff, some weight that I shouldn't have to bear. And I'm going to let the spirit fill me and I'm going to surrender hundred percent and I'm going to let him move in my life. So if you just bow your heads with me, let's pray together. Just take a moment. What's the spirit bringing to mind in your life right now? What's the burden you're trying to carry? What's the lie that you've chosen to believe and it's just not true? Where are you suffering and you're starting to doubt the grace of God? What's the accusation that you have to battle time and time again that you need to be free of today? God Almighty, I pray, Lord, as we continue in worship and as we begin to pray and we begin to release some things, Lord, that this would be a moment of surrender. This would be a moment of yielding. This would be a moment of laying some things down because if we're going to build the home and we're going to start to see, God, each of us and our families and this church and the broader community transform, Lord, it starts with a yielded spirit to you to let your spirit live inside of us and control us. So God, guide us and bring us forward in prayer and worship as we close. We love you. We give you glory and honor. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you all would stand with me. As God leads, if you'd come forward in prayer, the rest of us, let's just worship God. Amen.